listening to First Church Charlotte. Greetings, everyone. Pastor Nathan here. We welcome you to this time together, studying the Word of the Lord, seeking to grow from it. We are continuing our series on how God builds a people. We, as you know, uh, are referencing a book entitled The Banner Above. Also, we have a full Bible study for children on the church website that goes along and follows this series. Please sit down with your children. Please take the time to pray for them, teach them, ask them questions, explain why you're a believer. You're not a believer simply because you attend church. Uh, you're a believer because you orient the whole of your life <clears throat> according to the kingdom of God and toward the heart of God. Your children need to hear that from you. Teaching our children is part of our Christian duty and obligation. And if the Lord will help us, we as a church will empower you to do it uh, for uh, as long as I'm the pastor of the church. Also on the website, there is additional study. If you're alone and you want to do some deeper study, uh, I've placed a good bit of information from commentaries and the like um, in the, the, the Deeper Life notes. So I'm reading Isaiah chapter number 11. We're reading at uh, verse number one or actually verse number 10, I believe. In that day, the heir to David's throne will be a banner of salvation to all the world. The heir to David's throne, who is that? That's Jesus Christ, will be a banner of salvation to all the world. The nations will rally to him and the land where he lives will be a glorious place. And that day the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to bring back the remnant of his people. Notice verse number 12. He will raise a flag among the nations. Notice that. And assemble the exiles of Israel. He will gather the scattered people of Judah from the ends of the earth. That is a profound prophecy of what God would do here written almost 2,500 years before it actually came to pass. If you've ever doubted the uh, authenticity of the scripture, prophecies like this should go a long way to uh, alleviating your fears or your concerns. Over 2,000 years before this happened, God said he would raise a flag among the nations as a sign of his covenant to his people. And so I want to take you to a place in world history. David Ben-Gurion, one of the founders of the modern state of Israel, he read the Declaration of Independence of the State of Israel on Friday, May 14th, 1948. And in that moment, the nation of Israel came into being. Strangely enough, however, Israel at that time had no flag. Nearly six months went by before they chose a flag and adopted a flag to represent their nation. Now, it's doubly strange that when the flag was finally chosen, it was not unveiled first over the land of Israel. It was not elevated first over a city that had been won by uh, the forces of Israel fighting uh, for their homeland. It was not lifted over any of the cities, not lifted over Jerusalem. The first time 
the flag was ever flown was at the United Nations building at Lake, Lake Success in New York State. Uh, it was the first time the flag was uh, ever unveiled. If you download the notes, there is a link uh, that shows the video of that happening. Um, also, we may be able to put it on the uh, on the video right now. You'll know if you are seeing that. Now, remember, uh, we read in Isaiah 11 and 10, he shall set up an ensign. That's the, 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 the version of scripture we used last week, the translation. He shall assemble, assemble the outcasts of Israel, gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. We read it today in the Living Bible Translation. He will raise a flag among the nations and assemble the exiles of Israel. He will gather the scattered people of Judah from the ends of the earth. How did it happen that way? Why was it that the flag was first unveiled before all the nations of the earth, not flown among above a battlefield as almost all other nations have, not raised above a capital city like all other nations have, but first unveiled before the nations because of prophecy like Isaiah chapter 11, verse number 10. And the Lord said that he would raise up a flag among the nations. It is therefore a very beautiful sign of prophecy when, and hopefully you've seen the video now, uh, this flag was raised as a testimony to to the nations and the Lord regathered from all the ends of the earth, the dispersed people, the dispersed children of Abraham. And when that flag was unveiled, there were a few things that I would like you to notice. The first thing is the colors, the, the white and the blue, the manner of the colors. It resembles what in Hebrew is called a talith. It is a prayer shawl. So when a devout Jewish believer prays, they, they have a prayer shawl. And this is, as I mentioned, called a talith. And it looks very much like the flag of Israel. And so flying above this land that God promised he would not forsake, flying above this people that hold in their possession the everlasting covenant and promise of God, just as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ hold the everlasting prop, promise and covenant of God. Remember, he came to his own and his own received him not, but to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. That's the promise that you have in your life. And flying above this nation of covenant, there is a flag that at first glance looks like a prayer shawl. It looks like we are raising a sign of our prayers to God. He has heard our prayers. He has not forsaken us. God is faithful. I like to think that our testimony is like uh, a flag flying. Everything we've been through, see my testimony. It's showing that God is faithful. I may live long, I may live short, but God is faithful. I may have plenty of money. I may kind of suffer a bit. God is faithful. Uh, above the Holy Land flies this flag that, first of all, was a testimony to the nations that God's covenant is established and sure. Every time you see that flag, you need to remind yourself that is the sign that God is faithful and keeps his covenant. 
Secondly, you need to notice that it looks very much like the traditional talith, the, the prayer shawl of the devout uh, Jewish believer. Uh, I'm reading from uh, the book Flags of the World, inspired by the talith, the traditional Jewish prayer shawl, talking about the flag of Israel. Also, I'm reading from the book Flags of All Nations. The blue and white stripes of the Israeli flag are those of the prayer shawl that men wear at religious ceremonies. But that's not all. There's one more thing I want you to see on this flag that serves as the testimony of God. And that is that the symbol that is at the center of, of this flag is called uh the Magan David, the Magan David. Um, it is not the most well-known symbol of the Jewish faith. I'll explain that. Um, this Magan David is known as the shield of David, sometimes called the star of David. I'm reading from the book of Jewish knowledge. Although the Magan David, the star of David or Jewish star, has been universally used in modern times by Jews and their enemies alike as a graphic symbol of Jewish national identity, this was not at all the case in earlier Jewish historic periods. Then the representation of the seven-branched menorah served as the traditional pictorial motif. When the second temple was destroyed, the menorah, that is the seven-armed candlestick. In your notes, there's a link. Hopefully it will be on the video right now so you can look at it. That menorah is the seven-armed candlestick representing uh, the worship of the Lord in the holy place, in, in the holy place of the tabernacle and then the temple. When the second temple was destroyed, the book of Jewish knowledge continues, the menorah and not the Magan David, the star of David, as so many erroneously believe, it's actually the shield of David. Um, that menorah became the principal decorative art symbol of the Jewish faith. So why? Why would when the flag of Israel was finally chosen and why when it was lifted in front of all the nations uniquely, lifted among the nations at the UN as a testimony of God's covenant, and his keeping of his word. Uh, why was fluttering on that flag, not the menorah, which is what was the most famous art object representing Jewish faith and Jewish people? Why was it not the menorah, but rather why was it the shield of David, the Magan David? Um, why? I'll tell you why. <laughs> because God is giving testimony of himself. And God works in the ways of humanity to show that his covenant is sure. Let me explain. If the image of the menorah had been used, it would have always turned the attention to the world of the world to the old covenant, the Old Testament, because that menorah represents God's presence separated from the people in the holy place where no one can go. If the menorah, the seven-armed golden candlestick had been used, 
it would fly this testimony above the nations. God is separated, unreachable, unapproachable in the holy place. We can't go there. We're not deserving. Much to the surprise of the nations, it wasn't the menorah that was chosen. Much to the surprise of the Jews themselves, it wasn't the menorah that was shown, uh, chosen. It was the shield of David. Why? Because the shield of David points you to the new covenant, the new testament, that son of David, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. When the prophet said an everlasting kingdom would be established and it would be built of the house of David, it would be a continuation of the throne of David. They're not talking about a biological, as it were, her uh, inheritance of uh, a hereditary throne. Uh, they very much, the Bible's very much referring to the son of David who did what none of us can do. We could not go into the holy place. So he brought holy place to us. He is our holy place. We could not go into where he was. So he came to us. The second, the first Adam got us, as it were, banished from the holy place. But the second Adam, the son of David, he ushers us into the holy place. And when you see the flag of Israel, I want you to first of all be reminded that God moves among the nations. You should not live in fear. Your Christianity should not be based upon fear. Your devotion of God should not be based on fear. You've not been called to be servant or slave. You've been called to be a child. You should let love overpower fear in your heart. When you're raising your children, you should not give them a religion of fear. You should not. Yes, the fear of the Lord is a good thing. The reverence of the Lord is a good thing. But he died so we could have access to his presence, not so we would be isolated in fear, hoping that maybe our sins would be covered. No, he has done a tremendous work. That flag of Israel flies as a testimony, first of all. Number one, it is going to be a witness raised among the nations that has been prophetically fulfilled. It's going to speak of the relationship, the talith, the prayer of a people of covenant that has ascended and is ascending right now while you're watching this, they're praying at the Welling Wall and all over the world and more Christians are praying wherever they are, wherever they are found. And third, that Magan David, that shield of David is not pointing us to the Old Testament where we are separated from God's presence. It's pointing us to the New Testament where Jesus Christ has made a way and we can receive him into our hearts. If that is not exciting to you, I, I, I don't know what else to say. We love you. God bless you. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, give us this week, not simply as survival, but give it to us as spiritual progress and victory. Lord, I pray that we as a body of believers, that we would have sensitivity to the people around us. I pray God that we would open our homes and we would show affection to people. If there is no affection, then there is no connection. And if we don't build a connection, then they, 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 they won't even open their heart to receive our testimonies. Lord Jesus, help us as, as individuals to be quick to speak of testimony, speak of God, of your goodness to other people. Let our light shine as 
the best life, as abundant life, as joy unspeakable. Lord Jesus, forgive us for missing our callings and focusing on ourselves, but rather fill us with spiritual purpose and passion in Jesus' name. Amen. Wherever you are, teach your children. I've done the work for you. The notes are there. Teach your children. Lay hands on them. Pray for them. Let them lay hands on you and pray for you. Sing together. Teach them to become a worshiper. If they'll learn to become a worshiper, you'll never have to worry about whether or not uh, they receive the spiritual gift of tongues because that's what happens when we become worshipers. All right, that's enough. God bless you. We love you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us. Thank you.